Welcome to the Perfect Faith Podcast. I'm Kirk Klingerman, your host. This is episode 16 of season 4. This episode's entitled, The Idol of Affirmation. So, quick question. Do you think or believe it's possible for affirmation to become an idol or encouragement? Can it become an idol to someone? Well, let's see what Scripture has to say about it. In John 5, verse 43 through 44, Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe you who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from God only? Second question. Whose opinion matters the most to you? Is it God's or is it people? And that's an important question because the moment we put people's opinions above God, that means people are moving into a spot they don't belong. Anytime we place an individual above God, that person has become our God, little g. And that's also the person that's going to have more influence in your life than even the Holy Spirit, if we're not careful. There's things that happen to people when we begin to trade the creation for the Creator. In other words, just if you look in Romans 1, it talks about those that they knew God, but then they started to seek after the things made of God, which became their idols. So in other words, they worshiped the creation more than the Creator. And then, of course, we know that their heart became hardened. And so they go off into this other place that's not a good place to be. This thing about affirmation is something that's really been tripping people up in their relationship with God and with other people for that matter. So what is what are some things that happen? I mean, here's if you look in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, you're going to find some things that are kind of like the fruit of those that are carrying an idol in their heart or are following other gods, little g. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. How does this stuff happen? How do people move from a place of godliness and go to this other realm where they all of a sudden pleasure becomes more important to them? All of a sudden they lose touch with gratitude. All of a sudden they've lost sight of God altogether. How does that happen? Well, this area of affirmation is one of those things in which that can trip people up, as I said just a little bit ago. Here's a clue. Now, here's the way it kind of looks. Look, in James 2, verse 8, it says, If you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. So what's the opposite of that? If you seek your neighbor's love, you won't do so well. In other words, when we start seeking other people's love, instead of seeking to love them, we're going to become needy people. We're going to become self-centered. We're going to depart from love. So how does the idol of affirmation gain a foothold to begin with? These, I'll give you a few ways. These aren't necessarily in order, but 
going back to the beginning, to Genesis, we're going to read one verse out of Genesis, verse in chapter 3, and that's Genesis 3.1, going back to the temptation. Some of you probably know where I'm going with this, but it says, Now the serpent was more subtle or more cunning than any beast of the field which Jehovah God or the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Is it so that God has said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Is it true that God has said? Or is it true that God really loves you? Is it true? It's questioning. It's questioning. The moment you begin to question God, question his character, his motives, the things of God, you start moving into a different realm. It takes you away from belief. It takes you away from faith. It takes you into doubt. It actually can take you into fear. Because as humans, there is that part of us that does desire acceptance. And to say that we shouldn't desire acceptance would be wrong too. And by the way, emotions are kind of neutral. You know, they are neither good nor evil. They just are. It's just what you do with them or allow them to do in your life. And side note, emotions are a wonderful tool, but they're terrible taskmasters. If you allow your emotions to rule your life, they will lead you to other idols. In 1 John 4, verse 16, it says, And we have known and believed the love of God has to us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. The minute we begin to question God's love, we're going to find ourselves probably looking for love in the wrong places, as so many like to sing about, right? But we begin to look for his love through someone else. And by the way, another side note, if we're walking in the love of God, we can, we can connect people to his love. So yes, there are people that don't know God. They don't know God as their father. They don't have the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior. They are looking for love and they're looking all over the place, but the right place. Now, fortunately, us, his disciples of Jesus Christ, carry his love. If you look in John chapter 17, you'll find that Jesus said, I give them my love. So here's another question. Do you believe we can love people as Jesus loved? The answer to that is actually yes, we can, simply because he has given us his love, and he's done it through Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit begins with love. But flip that around a little bit. If we begin to not believe that God loves us, we will seek love elsewhere. But how does that happen? Well, one thing, another way that the enemy is very subtle. Remember this questioning thing that we read back in Genesis 3? He begins to plant questions at, very, at a very, very young age in some people's lives. In fact, the sooner he can get to a person to destroy their life or try to destroy their life, the easier his job is. And one of the ways that he does that is through the nuclear family or through the family, right? So when you have a family that is really just dysfunctional and finding families that aren't dysfunctional is getting pretty hard to a degree, right? I mean, we all have our issues, but taking it farther, if people believe 
or excuse me, don't experience the type of love they should be receiving from their family, from their parents, from their brothers, from their sisters, and so on. They're going to have a hard time believing God loves them as well. It's similar to this. I'm going to reverse this just a little bit, but in 1 John 4, verse 20, it says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For if he does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? So this is where I'm kind of reversing things just a little bit. If I don't receive love from my family members who I see, how can I believe that God loves me whom I don't see? See what I mean? So that's another, that is one way that the enemy begins to get us to start questioning is where somewhere along the lines in our life, we are betrayed in the worst way by someone close to us. And we begin to question their love. And consequently, we begin to question the love of God. So that is one of the ways that this happens. We begin to question. We begin to question his love. And I want to just affirm you in his love for you that are struggling with this. I I say this often, and I'm not afraid to say it again. And some of you have heard this a number of times at this point. But bear with me. It's important. Do you love God? I mean, seriously, do you love God? Because if you love God, that is a sign to you that he loves you. Because you couldn't love him unless he loved you first. So get that in your heart. He absolutely does love you. And if he didn't love you, chances are you wouldn't be listening to this. In fact, you probably wouldn't even be here, to be honest. Okay, another thing that will hinder or bring us into a place where we turn affirmation or encouragement into an idol is jealousy. Jealousy. And this is a thing, too, where we see God blessing other people And we can get this feeling like we're not going to get any blessing from God because the other people got all the blessings. Well, obviously, that's false. That's a false narrative. Because, again, God is, number one, he's infinite. He's everlasting to everlasting. That means his love is infinite. He's got more than enough to go around. He's got enough gifts and blessings for everybody. We don't have to be jealous if a brother or a sister gets something from God. We don't have to crave someone's ministry. You see, again, that's all self-centered. When we become jealous, we become self-centered, and it's all about me. It's all about what I can get, and we aren't happy. We don't truly rejoice with our brother or with our sister when the Lord blesses them in a special way. We have got to extend that love to them and just really just rejoice with those that rejoice. And then, of course, mourn with those that mourn. And obviously, another one that's close to jealousy is envy, when we want something that someone else has, right? In James 3, verse 14 through 16, says, But if you have bitter jealousy and strife in your hearts, do not glory and do not lie against the truth. And I'm going to stop right here in this verse. This is a point to stop and really get honest with ourselves, right? Again, earlier I read in uh, 2 Timothy 3, we talked about some of the signs of perhaps we might be carrying an idol. So here's another one, is if we find ourselves being really jealous of other people or we become envious of other people, we are in a realm that we don't belong. So there might be something going on 
as far as idol worship or as far as, again, putting other people ahead of God. So again, stop and get honest. Do I have jealousy in my heart? Do I have envy in my heart? What's going on? Have I departed from love? Because really that is a sign that we are departing from love is when we become envious of someone else or we become jealous of someone else. This is, let me, let me read that first part again. But if you have bitter jealousy and strife in your hearts, do not glory and lie against the truth. This is not the wisdom coming down from above, but is, it is earthly sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife are, there is confusion in every evil work or every foul deed. Here's another one, pride. And you know, it's funny, the funny thing about pride, and we know that pride is one of the things that the enemy used in the garden and still uses it today. And it's, it can be framed up this way. In 1 John 2, verses uh, 15 through 17, it says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, because all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. For he that loves uh, does the will of God abides forever. So there we have it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the things of the world. These are the things that can get us off center, the things that can lead us into idol worship. If we feel like other people's love is more important to us, then we're really saying that God's love isn't enough, Right? but God's love is enough. In fact, Jesus said in John 17, again, I said this earlier, that he, he has given us his love, which means we can love other people very well. The more outward focused we become, the more focused on loving other people we become, the more fulfilled we are. In Matthew 16, 25, Jesus said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So that's the interesting thing. If we want to gain life, we have to lose our life. That's where previous to that, Jesus said, if any man will follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So this is, I'm moving, I'm using this verse in context with how do we destroy the idol of affirmation? Because we need to understand some other things along with it, and I didn't really touch on this. But when you are so consumed with affirmation from other people, your motives really get skewed. And that's the place where you begin to do things for other people so that they will affirm you, they will encourage you, they will say thank you, they will bless you, they will basically, they basically they're saying, you know, now you're worthy to be alive. You are worthy to be alive. You always were. What do you mean by that? Well, First off, God is our creator. He's our father. He made you. If he didn't think you were worthy to begin with, you wouldn't be here. Secondly, and more importantly, Jesus is worthy. And because he's worthy, you're worthy. We're all worthy. And we are worthy to receive love, and we are worthy to love ourselves as, God's, as God has loved us. So it's important that we step back and receive that love and love 
others. Love others well. So one of the things that we need to do is repent. We need to change the way we think. And that's what repentance is, to change the way we think about things. When we think, think, think about things in the right way, things change. Our attitude changes. Our heart changes. Again, as I read earlier, 1 John 4, verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So part of repentance is believing. If you don't believe God loves you, then you're not going to walk in love. And if you're always seeking someone else's love, you will not be giving love. But it gets down to belief. Part of repentance is believing the right things. What does the Word of God say? What does God say about you? You know, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Why? Because God is wonderful. You don't need other people to tell you that. You really don't. When you know God is your Father who absolutely loves you, yeah, yeah, my Father did this, my Father did that to me when I was younger. Yeah, that's true. That might be true for some of you, and I realize not all of you that are listening to this. But think about this. When you came into the kingdom, God became your loving Father. You now have a father, you have an Abba, a daddy, who dearly loves you. And it's time to get over yourself and let that go. Forgive those that have hurt you and actually begin to love them. Again, people can't give what they don't have. If they don't have love, how could they love you? But if you receive the love of God and you have received the love of God and you walk in his love and you love them, they could receive that love and in turn repent. And maybe, just maybe, there would be a reconciliation that takes place. First and foremost, that they are reconciled unto God if they don't know him. And secondly, unto yourself. Because God is the God of reconciliation. And he loves to see it. First and foremost, between him and people, but then amongst one another. If there is a need for reconciliation between people, then there is a need for love. Because love is not easily offended, and love forgives, and love seeks to reconcile. It's time that we, as the body of Christ, loves one another well, and loves God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength, so we can do the royal law, uh, the royal law right, as according to scriptures has said. And, that's, and this is how we destroy the idol of affirmation. It's simply this. It's so simple. So simple. If we love, instead of seeking to be loved, we will not have an idol before us because we will be walking as a, um, what's the word? We will be conformed to the image of Jesus. Think about this, John 15, 10 through 13. This is, this is what Jesus said, and I want you to think about this. Earlier I said one of the things is that if we lose our life, we will gain life. If we give love, we will receive love. We will, we've, it's, just, it's like sowing and reaping. It just, it just The more you give away, the more it comes back. And it's not even about getting it back. And this is what I mean earlier. If you're looking for if, uh, affirmation all the time or looking for love all the time, you're always looking for the return on investment when you put your love out there, which isn't love. That's manipulation. John 15, 10 through 13, Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
I have spoken these things to you so that my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No greater love than this. There's no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So what's Jesus' commandment? That we love one another. What did he say? If we obey his commandments, our joy will be full. So the more you put love out there, the more joyful you're going to be. And of course, that's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, goodness, and so on, right? So the more you make it or purpose to love people well, the more joy you're going to have in your heart, the more fulfilled you're going to be. The more you feel like you've got to get something from other people, the more you seek affirmation from others, the more you seek encouragement from others, the more you seek to get something from others, the less joy you're going to have. Now, let me say this. It's a good thing to receive from others. In other words, we don't expect it from them. We don't put expectations on other people. But we do want to be a vessel which can receive love from them or receive the gifts that they might want to impart. Because again, it's like Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But sometimes we need to receive so someone has a place to go to give or has a place to give rather. If you are lacking joy, is it possible that you're lacking love? Now I'm going to just a little repetition here and then we're going to close this out. It's important to embrace the love of the Father. But it's also important for you to love yourself as he loves you because you are worthy of that love. You really are. You are worthy to be loved. The temptation sometimes is to consider someone else's opinion where you're worried about whether they think you're worthy. And that's another trap of the enemy where you begin to question whether or not someone else thinks you're worthy. We've Again, it's important just to zero back in with the Lord and just you know, what does the Lord say about me? Ask him, what's he, what's he think about you? How does he love you? I mean, he, sh he shows you every day in so many different ways, it's unfathomable that he loves you. If you begin to look to other people and you begin to worry about what they think, it's going to interfere with your love. And again, that's where you're taking people and putting them in a place that they don't belong. Now, I'm not talking about the things where we're trying to counsel with other people, where we're trying to get, you know, some perspective and things of that nature. But when it's talking about your worthiness and you're concerned about whether or not someone thinks you're worthy, you're going to hold, be held back from becoming who God's called you to be. Because what really matters is what God says. So it's like you are everything God says you are. You can do everything God says you can do. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Who's sovereign? Who's God? Who knows the ending from the beginning? So it's just like if God's given you a promise and he's faithful, who promised? He's made provision for every step of the way to that promise, regardless of what's taken place between here and there. But because he loves you, he is faithful to see things through. So again, 
to destroy the idol of affirmation, where you always have this need to be affirmed by other people, or you're always seeking encouragement instead of encouraging other people. Know and believe the love God has toward you. And just simply start loving people. When you just focus on loving other people well, you will be amazed at how fulfilled you really will feel and how you don't have this need to be affirmed by others anymore. Not that it's wrong to receive encouragement from others and because we should encourage one another. We're called to build one another up in our most holy faith. We're called to edify one another. But to do that, we have to love well. So, you know, it's kind of like if I'm always seeking to be encouraged, how can I give encouragement? But yet, the more I encourage others, the more encouragement is there to give. So with that, we'll call it a day. Be blessed, my friends.